The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome to the Disability Law Show. And uh, joining us once again and reaching out, uh, you can do the same thing and uh, do so anytime you uh, you want to do that. Help at disabilityrights.ca, 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime or a member of his team, very capable team, mydisabilityquestions.com. We will refer to that website as we do on this show as well, that's a place for you to ask your disability law questions, whether it pertains to something you're dealing with yourself or a friend or a family member. Maybe you've been asked to appeal. Maybe you've been turned down. Maybe it's getting close to that two-year mark. Whatever the question, mydisabilityquestions.com. And while you're there, you can search the database of previously asked questions. It could be there and already answered. If not, leave it there and the, uh, the team will get to it. Later on, in just a little bit, Savannah, we'll get to myths that LTD insurers want you to believe, which are simply not true, not happening. But before we get to all that, I know you got some, uh, some emails and some other situations you were dealing with uh, this week. What's going on, pal? That's right, John. Let me start off with a question that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. There you go. And uh, this one comes from Sido. Uh, that's his name, and he writes, I just need uh, some information. I'm on LTD right now. Uh, I just started it as I was transferred from short-term disability, from STD. If I go back to work and cannot continue for lo- for a long period of time because of my condition, can I restart my disability again? How much time do I have to go to work to get mm-hmm. disability again? Uh, this is, John, a very common concern that people have, especially when they feel like they're being pressured by the insurance company to start a return-to-work program before they are ready and before they get clearance from their doctors to go back to work. And I, I just wrote an article for for a um, publication online that, that you know, it's, it's going to go out probably in a week or so, and it deals with this exact issue. You know, when people contact me and say, I am being forced to go back to work, Remember that the insurance company cannot force you to go back to work. They can pressure you, and that's what they often do. They say that if you don't do this, we're going to cut off your benefits as of a certain date. And I tell people, listen, you should not feel pressured to go back to work. Uh, Your LTD insurer should not do that, and besides, you should be following your doctor's medical advice. But what happens in a case like this with Sido here, who's asking the question, what if I go back to work? What if I feel like I can go back or try to go back, and my doctors have said that I am potentially ready to try to go back, do I have a safety net? You know, if I go back to work and for whatever reason I am actually not ready and I have to go back on disability, can I do that? And the answer is yes. The answer is that every LTD policy out there that I have seen contains what's called a recurrence clause. And what right. that means is that if your disability recurs or, you know, your, tr- your return to work um, attempt fails, Uh, whether it's after a day or after a week or after a month, you should be able to go back on claim. Now, I say should because we have to look at the wording of your policy. Mm -hmm. When I look at these provisions, these recurrence provisions, generally the time period that I I often see is six months. So if within six months of trying to go back to work, uh, you feel that you cannot and it's documented, by your employer, it's documented by your doctors, you're unable and your doctors say, you know what, it's premature. You need to still be off. You still need to heal before you go back to work. Your insurance company should put you back on LTD, back on claim, uh, without waiting the elimination period. 
some people who are listening for the, uh, to this show, John, for the first time say, what's this elimination period? Well, yeah. that's the period of time when you apply for LTD from when you get accepted or when you when you apply and get accepted and the time when they actually start uh, uh, paying you LTD. Uh, and and that, that can be 90 days, 180 days. It depends on your policy. The point is this. If you try to go back to work while on LTD, and you fail at that return and you have to go back on claim, your insurance company should, book, should put you back on claim immediately. What happens, however, in many cases, is that the insurance company, for whatever reason, says, no, we're not going to put you back on claim. We think that you should be able to continue. We think that it's incumbent on your employer to further accommodate you irrespective of whether in many cases employers actually do go out of their way to accommodate disabled employees to help them back to work. Look, insurance companies don't want to continue paying you. That's that's the, the reality. In some instances, people will be put back on claims. In other instances, they will not. And I'm now talking to people like CEDO and like other individuals who have this concern. If you try to go back to work, which you absolutely should if you are ready and if your doctors say you're ready, but for whatever reason you cannot, in other words, you've tried, you failed, and you need to go back on claim, and your insurance company is blocking putting you back on claim, they're saying no, contact me immediately because we will be able to help you. We resolve these kinds of disputes each and every day across Ontario, across British Columbia, and very soon across Alberta. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that we do, John. And you know, what really bothers me about these cases is that you're dealing with individuals who legitimately try to get off disability and simply are not ready. They find out that they're not ready. And here you have the insurance company pushing off and, and, and telling them, no, we're not going to put you back on claim, even though contractually under the policy, the insurance company must put them back on claim. You want to reach out, by the way, this question, similar to that, uh, where we found that one, of course, as Savan said, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a good way to start. And if you prefer, make that phone call, one 821 5900 obviously toll-free. Here's another question that was posted on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. This one comes from Michelle, and this is an interesting situation here, uh, and I see more and more of this as well. So she writes, my insurance company called and said that I am being moved to the long-term disability. So presumably she was on short-term disability. So she's been being moved, uh, she was accepted to long-term disability. Okay, great. Now she says, they require me to fill out the CPP disability forms. Right. They asked if I needed to be connected with a service provider that they use to fill this form up, and all I need to do is just to get some medical information to be filled up by my doctor. My other option is to fill it up myself. Which one is a better option? So this is interesting. A lot of times, John, when we answer questions, it's from people saying, do I have to apply for CPP disability? And you know, we, we deal with that question. Here, Michelle says, okay, I'm going to apply for CPP disability. I'm going to do what my insurance company is telling me to do. But they're offering to actually have a third party, some person, consultant, whoever that person is, help me actually fill out those forms. Now, look, she doesn't have to, you know, take her insurance company up on it. You know, one may wonder, one may question, why is the insurance company so interested in Michelle exactly. and other individuals, you know, applying for CPP disability? Well, we know this. We've answered this question many times because if you get CPP disability while you're on LTD, the insurance company gets a credit for any CPP disability you get. So the simple example we give, if you get LTD of $2,000 a month and you've been approved for CPP disability of $1,000 a month, you're not getting $3,000. You're not getting two plus one. You're still getting $2,000 except that your insurance company only has to pay you 1000 bucks, and then you get the other 1000 bucks from CPP disability. 
So that's why the insurance company here is so interested in this. And you know, I think that one of the reason why one of the reasons why the insurance company here has offered to to help Michelle and probably other claimants by connecting them with individuals, maybe paralegals or lawyers, someone who can help them fill out these forms is because, again, the insurance company saves a ton of money if you get accepted into CPP disability. So it's her choice if she wants to take the insurance company up on it and actually have the insurance company's consultant um, or service provider, whatever it is that they call that person, help, the, you know, help them with, with filling out the forms, or if you want to do it yourself. Here's why I actually think it would not be a bad idea to use the service provider that the insurance company recommends. Okay. Because think about this. In order to get CPP disability, you have to demonstrate, you have to prove to the government who administers this program that your disability is severe and prolonged. So it's a very high bar test. I think it's a higher and a more difficult test to meet than getting accepted into long-term disability. So if the insurance company pays someone to help you make an application to CPP disability, and whether you get accepted into CPP afterwards or not, if down the road the insurance company takes the position that they're going to cut you off or stop your benefits because they don't know, they no longer think that you're disabled, to me you have a stronger argument that they're wrong, and they're wrong because they themselves paid a third-party service provider on your behalf to tell the government that your disability is severe and prolonged. Do you see what uh, I'm saying, John? Brilliant. To me, to me, that that is an argument that the insurance company themselves believe that your disability is "quote unquote" severe and prolonged because they paid someone to help you tell that to the government. So again, it's completely up to Michelle here if she wants to utilize that service. I probably would just because of that argument that I have now in my arsenal down the road to use against the insurance company if they come back and argue for whatever reason, I don't know, a month down the road, a year, two years, that somehow I'm not disabled. You know, what do you mean I'm not disabled? You yourself paid somebody to tell the government that I am. So again, it's a very interesting scenario here, and uh, I, I bet you, John, it's not just this one insurance company. I have seen it with other insurance companies as well, where they will pay a third party to help you uh, uh, try and apply and get CPP disability. And to me, you know, that is very powerful in terms of arguing against the insurance company in the event of a cutoff down the road. Well, I guess the uh, the benefit to them financially outweighs what you just said about, hey, look, guys, you've cut him off. You're the ones who think he's severely or he uh, she is severely disabled. So why are you, uh, why are you cutting them off? I mean, I guess it, it outweighs the, uh, you know, the money that they could potentially get from CPP to balance out what they're paying you. I guess it's all financial with an insurance company, right? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's all financial. I mean, look, insurance companies are looking out for number one, and number one is not you. Number one is them. And so that's very, very key to understand here because, uh, you know, if you simply deal with the insurance company, with your insurance, by the way, this is any insurance. This is my experience, whether it's house insurance, car insurance, travel insurance. Of course. If you think that you are dealing with someone who actually legitimately cares about you, I mean, maybe the adjuster. Maybe that's a good person you're dealing with and they truly care about you. But the insurance company as a corporate entity only cares about the profits it generates, right? The model the model that they operate in is that we take in premiums and we pay as little of the claims yeah. that get filed as possible. That's how they make the money. That they, that's how they make billions of dollars. You know, that's just the way insurance works. Whether you agree with it or not, you like it or you don't, that is the structure. 
the structure is that we take in premiums and hopefully we don't have to pay you and if you make a claim we're gonna put up as many roadblocks as we can again not everyone but in many many cases that we have dealt with certainly at the office I can tell you that's been the case mm -hmm. and in many cases I can tell you that the insurance company is aware that they've made mistakes because we do have cases many cases out there across the country where not only have judges said you insurance companies are wrong in denying these claims but judges who have said you are so wrong what you've done is so high-handed we're actually going to award the claimants punitive damages to punish you insurance company for acting in such bad faith Wow. So, again, this is something that people need to be aware of. You do have rights. You can enforce them if you want and if you're willing to stand up for yourself. And this is what we are here uh, you know, to help you with because we are lawyers. We're disability lawyers. This is what we do. Let's take a short break. we got lots more on the way. We will in just a bit get to myths that LTD insurers want you to believe, which are simply not true. We'll uncover those. In the meantime, reaching out real simple, email is help at disabilityrights.ca. If you go to disabilityrights.ca, the website, you will catch links to our long-running TV show as well. And the toll-free number, always 1-855-821-5900. You can follow that up with mydisabilityquestions.com. It's the Disability Law Show with Savannah Tamarkin here on Global. News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show with Savannah Markin, uh, answering your emails and your questions. You want to reach out after the show anytime to a member of his crew. That's uh, that's easy. Toll free is the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is how you reach out. The email address, which we're going to get to here in just a bit, is help at disabilityrights.ca. And the website is mydisabilityquestions.com. Again, free, easy to use, database of previously asked questions there and really helpful uh, when you want to use that. And just a bit here, we'll get to myths that LTD insurers want you to believe, which are simply not true. I love cracking open that vault and... Uh, you know, pulling back the curtain on stuff they want you to believe, but we will, uh, we will put those rumors and untruths to uh, to rest here in a bit, Savannah. But you got uh, you got another uh, a matter you wanted to talk about first. I do, and again, John, another question that was posted on mydisabilityquestions.com. Mm -hmm. uh, this one comes from Cassia, and by the way, we also have you know when people post questions, uh, we ask them to tell us how they heard about us. And interestingly, this particular question I'm going to read out to you. Um, this lady here says that she was referred to us or to this website from a Toronto labor and employment lawyer. Clearly not someone from our firm because we do a lot of employment uh, work. Uh, but it's nice to see that other employment lawyers and other lawyers generally refer people to us for, for answers and for help when it comes to long-term disability matters. And same thing with doctors. We have psychologists and doctors uh, and other practitioners who listen to the program, John, and actually refer people to us. And we greatly appreciate that uh, because it goes a long way. Referrals are a major, major way of, of how people reach, reach us, not just through these programs um, and through this information we give out. It's also just through other individuals, other lawyers and, and professionals who believe that we can help, you know, the people that they're dealing with, uh, clients, um, loved ones, colleagues, etc. So you know, for us, that's, that's, you know, really, really important. So let me get to the question here from Cassia. Here's what she writes. I'm currently on LTD due to stress from work and severe grief after my father passed away. My insurance company is pushing me into a return to work program. 
Can they force me back to work? Do I have the right to refuse? And finally, if the insurance company cancels or stops my LTD claim, my benefits, will I immediately be fired by my employer? Or do I have the right to continue getting better at home and get back to work when I'm ready? John, first of all, I mean, this lady, you know, not only is dealing with work issues, but her father just passed away. I have no idea why. Maybe COVID, maybe something else. And on top of that, she has to deal with this insurance company who is trying to pressure her to go back to work. Notice the the verbiage here. And this is the subject of the article that I just penned. It's going to go online soon. Insurance companies cannot force you to go back to work. No one will come to your house or your apartment and put a gun to your head. Yeah, no one's going to do it. But you know, that doesn't matter because the perception of individuals out there, like Cassia here, is that this is what's happening. They're being forced. They are being forced to do something that is against medical advice, that it's against their health, and they don't know what to do because they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. If I don't go back to work, my insurance company will stop my benefits. I have no choice. Wrong. You absolutely have a choice. And by the way, the choice that she made, which is fantastic, is that she put that question on the website. I've answered it already, but I'm going to answer it now for our listeners. So again, off of our first segment, your insurance company cannot force you back to work. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Can they pressure you? Absolutely, they can pressure you. They do this each and every day. Again, why do they pressure you? Because they don't want to pay you LTD. And they'll do different things. They'll use different, there's different tools that they can use to pressure you. They can cherry pick from your doctor's reports, and based on what they cherry pick, they can say, we think you're ready to go back to work, when the reality, the doctor is not saying that. They can send you to one of their own doctors or medical consultants and get a report from one of those hired guns that they've hired that said, oh, we disagree with this person's treating doctors. We think that this individual can go back to work when that's not the reality, right? You can pay somebody to say anything. So the insurance company will use whatever they can. Sometimes they'll simply blanketly say, we just don't believe whatever your doctors are saying and we think you should be able to go back to work. Your injury or your illness is just not severe enough. Look, here's what it comes down to. And and this is now answering uh, Cassia's uh, questions. She -hmm. says, can they force me to get back to work? Answer is no, unequivocal, they cannot. Do I have the right to refuse? Absolutely you do. I wouldn't just blanketly refuse though, okay? You have the right. But I wouldn't just do that. What I would do is I would confirm and write. First of all, I would go to my doctors, okay? I would get my doctors or doctor, whoever's treating me, to provide a letter that says, here's why this individual is unable at this point in time to go back to work. Here are the functional limitations. Here's why from a medical opinion standpoint, as this person's treating doctors, I do not believe this is the right time and in fact could actually be be detrimental to this person's progress in getting better. Once you have a letter like that or something that talks about why from a medical standpoint the doctor does not believe this is the right time for you to try a return to work program, you then give that to your adjuster. You email that to your adjuster and you explain to the adjuster that it's not that you're refusing, it's that you're following medical advice. Right. And the medical advice you've received is that this is premature and you're concerned that this is actually going to harm your health. And by doing that, not only have you now cornered the insurance company, it's like chess. You've cornered them, okay? This is like check. You've now checked them. Because if the adjuster now, despite what your doctor is saying, still says, no, you better go back to work or try to go back to work by so-and-so date or cut you off, 
you then contact us and we will then uh, uh, do the checkmate on the insurance company. We will, we will get involved. We will push back and hard because there's absolutely no reason why you should be pressured to go back to work before you are ready. And then Casa here writes, and this is also very key. She says, if the insurance company stops my LTD, will I be immediately fired by my employer or do I have the right to continue getting better at home and get back to work when I'm ready? So here, here's the thing. First of all, whether or not you get let go or not, should have nothing to do with what your insurance company is doing, okay? Your insurance company should not be cutting you off, should not be stopping your benefits. Your employer, however, should absolutely not be letting you go because it's a human rights violation. Under most of the human rights legislations under in, in the country, mm-hmm. in Canada, in Ontario, in BC, an employer is not allowed to let an employer go, no matter what the reason is, okay, uh, while that person is off on disability. It's a violation of that person's human right. What that means is that if the employer does that, you're entitled to not only severance, but potentially human rights damages against the employer. Some employers are sophisticated enough to understand this, and some employers are just stupid and they don't. And we've seen this, John. And so what happens is when somebody comes to us and they've been let go while they're on disability or while they're off work because they're sick and the employer had fired them, trust me, we hit the employer really hard when it comes, especially now, by the way, right? With COVID and everything that's going on. I mean, employees need protection. It's just that simple. And uh, yeah, so so we do that. So, so, you know, to answer Cassia's question, uh, whether the insurance company stops her LTD benefits or not, for right or for wrong, her employer should absolutely not let her go. Okay? Uh, and, And to answer her last question, she absolutely has the right to go back to work when she is ready. And at that point, the employer has uh, the obligation to to accommodate her and to accommodate any limitations she has up to the point of undue hardship. And that's that's you know legal terminology here. The point is the employer has an obligation to try and accommodate the individual to ease them back into work. Maybe that means modified hours, modified uh, uh, duties, you know whatever that may be. And we help people with that as well, because of course, again, we have employment lawyers, you know, we do employment law and disability law. That's the uniqueness, the unique structure of our firm is that we have those two focuses. Uh, you know, we, we focus on employment law and on disability law, and those go hand in hand, especially in a case like this, and in answering questions like the ones that Cassia posed here. So if you're out there, you have questions about your employment situation, you have questions about your disability situation, or a combination of those, just like with Cassia, please, please contact us, okay? It's going to cost you nothing to speak with us about your disability matter. And if you have concerns about your employment, we'll talk to you about that as well. You know, you mentioned back there a few minutes ago, you mentioned, you know, the insurer saying, you know, you'll, you'll see one of our hired guns, one of our doctors, um, especially now during COVID-19. It might not be that. It might be a Zoom consultation. They might sure. just see your paper file. How does that possibly hold any weight compared to your treating practitioner who may have been seeing you for years if uh, months if not years what's their doctor going to know he's never seen you before you're absolutely right uh i mean COVID aside and the fact that in many instances these doctors cannot properly assess an individual's disability and impairment as we compare that to the treating physician right exactly. um you know because usually when you when you get assessed it's it's for half an hour an hour two hours depending on the assessment but again juxtapose that with your own treating physicians or practitioners like a psychologist who may have been seeing you for two years now, you know, once a week or something. 
you know, the reality is, and insurance companies know this, that hired guns, generally speaking, don't have as much sway with a court, if it ever goes to court, which, by the way, these cases almost never, ever go to court. It's not like, you know, TV that we watch, where every case goes in front of a judge. Absolutely not. It's very rare for cases to go to court, especially these kinds of cases, disability cases. The insurance company understands that if you have supporting doctors, a supporting psychologist, psychotherapist, whoever's treating you, they understand that as between that individual and somebody that they've hired as a hired gun, and again, I put that label there because it's a hired gun, they understand that more likely than not, your doctors are going to be the ones that are given more deference by a court because your doctors actually have your best interest in mind, right? So, you know, absolutely right. And in the age of COVID, you know, I've also had questions sent to me, uh, a lot of concerns expressed by individuals, again, across the country who are listening, who have, who have said, listen, my insurance company wants me to go and physically see their assessor, and I'm concerned, I'm terrified, and my doctors say I should not be going out right now, especially with the rise in COVID cases. That's right. You have no obligation to put yourself in harm's way. If the insurance company can make accommodation to have you assessed virtually by Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, whatever it is, by all means. If they don't, my position is, again, there's no obligation on, there's an obligation for you to, to do one of their assessments. Okay, It's under the policy. You have an obligation for that. But there's no obligation to put you in harm's way. And if having you assessed in person puts you in harm, harm's way, and your doctors, again, support you from that perspective, I think that it's fair for you to say to the adjuster, I'm not refusing the assessment. I'm refusing the fact that you are telling me I have to go there in person. So if there is a different way of doing this, by all means, I'll be more than happy to do it. Otherwise, I can't do it right now. I can't. You know, I'm a vulnerable person. I live with somebody who's vulnerable. I, you know, you can you can take that position as far as I'm concerned. What's the insurance company going to do about that? I can't predict. You know, they'll either accommodate you or they'll take a stupid position, which is to say, oh, you're non-compliance. We're going to cut you off. Well, guess what? If they do that, you give us a call. We're going to hit back. We're going to hit back because, again, there's absolutely no reason why, because they want you assessed, somehow you got to put yourself in harm's way for their benefit. I don't believe that's fair, and I don't believe that any judge would agree with that. Let's take a quick break. we got lots more coming up here. And uh, to reach out, really simple to get a hold of Savan and his team. Toll-free number, we always give it out, one 855 Website, disabilityrights.ca. Links to our television show, a 30-minute version of what you get here. On the radio program, email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And so far this morning, uh, we've reached uh, several times and dipped into mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a place you go to ask your questions as well. We'll continue more Disability Law Show with Savannah Tamark and right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamarkin here. Want to get into this as promised from the from the top of the show. Myths that LTD insurers want you to believe which are simply not true. So this may... Uh Open up your eyes to quite a few things if you're a regular of the show and if you're on disability or have been denied or dealing with an insurance company right now and uh, wondering, where do I go? Is this true or not? Here's the first one I'll throw at you, Savannah. If they deny your claim, you have to appeal or else you won't get paid. We love that word. 
love that word <laughs> said so sarcastically. Big time. Uh, so, so listen to this, John. This week, I had a gentleman contact me um, from just outside of Vancouver. And he's been chatting with one of our lawyers, one of our uh, recently appointed partners, actually, uh, Albert Klein. Uh, extremely bright uh, lawyer. Very, very smart. Very well known uh, in the LTD world. And uh, he spoke with him, but he wanted to just double check with me because Albert told him, do not appeal your decision. Let us start Mm -hmm. a legal claim. I mean, you want to appeal, go ahead, but you're not going to get anywhere. And so what he wanted to know from me is whether or not I agreed with that. And and his concern was that he needed to get a response ASAP because the deadline for appeal was coming up literally within a matter of days. So... You know, typically, of course, I respond within about 30 seconds, uh, as I often do, unless I do this show, uh, and then it has to be after the show, but uh, I respond as false. Number one, yes, absolutely do not appeal. Do not appeal, start a legal claim, okay? Number two, uh, the appeal deadlines that they give you are absolutely arbitrary. And it's very similar to to what I hear from Lior, my my employment law partner and host of the employment uh, law show, who says that when you are let go by your employer and you are given a deadline, you're giving a severance offer and you're giving a deadline by which to sign it. Usually it's a few days or a week. Or, you know, John, I don't know. You, you know, you host the program with him as well. Uh, it, it, they don't give you a lot of time. What does Lior no. say? He says, ignore those deadlines mean nothing. They mean nothing. Yeah. They're meaningless. They're an arbitrary date set by your employer to pressure you. Same thing here with the insurance uh, company. When they tell you you have 30 days to appeal our decision to cut off your benefits or to deny your claim, and they always say that. I think I've never seen uh, more than 30 days. It's always been 30 days. I tell people, so what? What are these 30 days? It means nothing. If you, if you, if you choose to appeal, if you ignore everything I say and you choose to appeal after 31 days, those long-term disability denials, trust me when I tell you, they'll still consider your, your, your appeal. And if it's 60 days later, they'll still consider it. And if it's 120 days later, they'll still consider it. They'll deny you, but they'll consider it. Quote, unquote, consider. Because what does that mean when they consider your appeal? What are you thinking is going to happen? I explained to this individual. You think that they're going to suddenly have a fresh pair of eyes, that somehow they're going to hire a third-party arbitrator to look at this? You think the ombudsperson is going to look? No, that's not what happens. And I don't fault people for thinking that, John, because when you see when you see that letter or that email, you know, coming from the insurance company, it looks formal, right? They tell you, you have 30 days, and if you have new documentation and you have new information, by all means, send it to us. We'll take a look at it. It is so rare for me to see an appeal succeed. It, it, I will tell you, to me, I don't know the, the numbers because insurance companies refuse to divulge this information, but I can tell you that to me it seems like I, I hear more about people winning the lottery than I hear yeah. about people having these appeals succeed. It's just absolutely useless. So what happens is that people gets rope, they get roped into this. They think, why should I go to a lawyer? You know, why, why should I engage, you know, legal help here? I can just appeal it on myself. I'll go to my doctor, get more documentation. I will go to uh, another doctor and get some more documentation. And they give everything to the, employ- to the insurer only to find out that they've been denied again and again and again. And then a year later, two years later, they come to me and saying, I had my two or three appeals. Everything was denied. What can I do? And I tell them. Well, if you're within that two-year period from the time you were first denied, well, we can start a legal claim. And it's unfortunate, I tell them, because the reality is I could have resolved your claim by now. So, again, long way of saying this, John, for the Smith here, 
if you get if your claim is denied you have to appeal or else you won't get paid that is nonsense absolute nonsense I know people think that but it's nonsense the way to force an insurance company to pay unfortunately I say unfortunately because it shouldn't be like this but it is is to start a legal claim again is to take a hardline position and take you know make a move that forces them now to hire their own lawyer because once they hire their own lawyer to defend one of these claims they now have to pay legal fees and they hate doing that because they know they're wasting money that's when they come to the table to talk resolution another myth they're going to throw at you is uh, something we uh, we uh, we covered and talked about uh, to some length uh, at the beginning of the show but we'll get back into it in case you miss it. another myth is this that they tell you they want you to go back to work or you have to try to return to work you uh, you have no other door to open you got to go through the one they're telling you to go through you got to go back yeah, I feel like because of the week that was, the, the few uh, uh, emails that I had read out at the beginning of the show, I feel like we're beating a dead horse. But I want to make sure that everyone out there who's listening understands this. You do not have to listen to the insurance company when they tell you to go back to work if that is simply not the reality on the ground. If you're not ready, and if your doctors are saying you are not ready, this is against medical advice, you should follow what your doctors are saying. I'm not even saying this from a legal standpoint, although I think that legally you need to understand that if you follow your doctor's advice, you are on solid legal grounds here to tell the insurance company that you're still not ready. Again, you're not refusing to go back. You're simply saying you're not ready. And as per your doctor's recommendations and medical advice, you are going to follow up with your doctor in X amount of weeks or months or whatever, and then there will be a reassessment as to whether or not you can go back. But you absolutely should not... Uh, uh, bow down to the pressure from the insurance company and John I'm telling you I have seen people coming to me crying yeah. uh, about loved ones who have been pressured to go back to work and and their loved ones not only failed at the return to work but their condition got worse I'm talking about psychological types of illnesses I'm talking about even physical ones right when somebody has a heavy you know labor-intensive job and they've been told by the insurance company you got to go back to work by this and this date or else we cut off your benefits and they try and then they re-injure themselves I mean that's just not right it's not right and insurance companies have no right to do this they do this all the time but they're not allowed to do this it's just absolutely wrong and and again if you're in that situation contact us okay we will give you the advice you need based on your specific situation I mean on the show here we try to answer emails uh, we try to answer questions but the reality is that every person's case is somewhat different. There's, it's a nuanced analysis that we apply. Mm-hmm. And we charge nothing for speaking with you. So if you're listening and you know someone in that situation, please reach out to us on their behalf with their consent or tell them to reach out to us, to me, to a member of my team. Trust me that we can help you. We can put your mind at ease. But the overall... Uh, uh, the overarching advice here is follow your doctor's recommendations, not just from a legal standpoint, from a medical and health standpoint. Okay, you need to be healthy. It helps no one, not you and not your family, certainly not your employer, if you try to go back to work and you kill yourself doing it. I know the insurance company may want you to do that so they can stop yeah. paying you, but you know what? They don't have the right to ask you to do that. Myths your insurer wants you to believe, but they're simply not true. We got one more, but... 
You got to wait till after the break, and we'll get to that one. In the meantime, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred toll free number. Use it. Have a chat. Get some answers. Email address we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll be moving on to that after our last myth is revealed. And the website, you can ask questions anytime, mydisabilityquestions.com. It's a disability law show with Savannah Markin here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. To Savannah Tamarkin answering your questions, revealing the myths that a insurance company want you to believe. And the last one that we're going to do for today is this. If they tell you to get treatments from a clinic or doctor they approve, their guy, their girl, you have no other choice. You have to go to that clinic. Wrong. False. <laughs> Wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, we want to distinguish this from when they want you to be seen by one of their doctors for an assessment. Uh, that's different. You have to do that. The treatments, that's a whole other ballgame, okay? It's a whole other story. Uh, look, it's your choice. If they tell you, oh, we have this great clinic, we have this great doctor, this great physiotherapist, psychologist, go to them for treatments. It's your choice whether to go or not. Unless your LTD policy specifically contains a provision that says you have to go to this doctor for treatments or this clinic for treatments, well, guess what? You don't have to. I have seen a situation, actually. It just happened um, uh, a couple weeks ago, John, where somebody contacted me, uh, somebody actually out in Alberta, and that was exactly what happened here. The insurance company said, you got to go to that clinic. And I said, no, uh, <laughs> unless your policy says you got to go to that clinic, which it will not say, trust me, it will not say that, uh, then uh, you don't have to go. You can go to whichever clinic or doctor you think is best. And I tell people, by the way, I tell tell them, um, you know, go to your doctor for a recommendation of where to go. Don't take the insurance company's word for it. Take your family doctors or your friends, or if you have a clinic you've gone to and you trust, you go to them. Now, that person from Alberta says to me, look, I told the adjuster exactly what you said. I guess, you know, they stream our shows uh, online. Uh, and he heard me talk about this before. And he said, look, I told the adjuster, I said, you know, where does this, does, where does it show in the policy that I have to go to that clinic that you're telling me I have to go to? Right. And the adjuster says, no, no, it says, it says. And the person says, okay, well, where does it say that? And they went back and forth until finally the insurance adjuster sent this individual the provision and the policy. And what did the provision actually say? It didn't specify where this person should be going for treatments. All it says is that... Uh, this individual or claimants under the policy have to engage uh, in, in reasonable treatments or reasonable and meaningful treatments, something like that. Well, that's not the same thing. Of course, of course, a policy, an LTD policy will contain a provision that states that in order to get LTD and continue getting LTD, you have to continue getting treatments, right? Because it's the mitigation principle. You need to get better. You need to try to get better. Even if that provision wasn't there, you still have an obligation under the law to mitigate your damages, meaning to try and get better, to try and lessen uh, your injuries and, and your illness, which, by the way, I don't think anybody has to tell someone that. I think it's common sense. People want to get better or should want to get better. So that provision that that adjuster sent does not, absolutely does not obligate that person or any person to go to a specific clinic. So then, of course, I spoke with that individual, and he says to me, well, why is my adjuster pressing me to go to that yeah. clinic? And I said, well, let's think about this for a second, rationally. I don't know that clinic. 
Maybe they're great there. Maybe they, I don't know, have God's hands and they can heal you. I think what's more likely the case, I think, is that they probably had experience before with individuals going to that clinic. And at some point later, whoever is the treatment provider or providers in that clinic, they provide reports to the insurance company that say that the person is that much better and can go back to work, even if that's not necessarily the case. I don't know if that's actually what happened there. So you understand what I'm saying here, John? I'm saying that if the insurance company tells you to go to a clinic, is it because they think that clinic is really good? Or is it because they believe that that clinic, a few weeks or a few months into your treatments, will crank out a report that says that you're that much better and you can go back to work? And then the insurance company can stop paying you. You know, this is this is this is analogous to, uh, you know, why is the insurance company saying you need to take your car for repair after an accident to to these particular auto shops? You know, right, why right. do they care which auto shop you go to? Totally. Right? Uh, there is a reason for that. Insurance companies don't do these things for no reason. They do it for a reason. And and I say this because I've seen this. I've seen situations where individuals went to clinics recommended by insurance companies, and in some cases, by the way, people said that those clinics helped them but not enough for them to be able to go back to work. But the, but the clinic had produced reports, interim reports, to the insurance company saying that the person was that much better, even better than the person actually felt, uh, and said that the person is ready to go back to work when that wasn't the case, and the insurance company cut the person off. In other words, there was a benefit to the insurance company here in sending this individual or individuals to that particular clinic or clinics. So again, you need to be careful. You always have to approach your insurance whenever you're making a claim. Again, disability claim, house insurance claim, any kind of claim. Approach it with the understanding that the insurance company doesn't care about you. I don't care what they say. They don't care about you. They care about profits. And again, not the adjuster specifically. There are good adjusters out there. Some of them are friends of mine. But the insurance company, as as a structural model, as a corporate model, as a financial entity, is there to make money. And they make money by collecting premiums and denying claims or paying as little as possible on claims. Many of them are not going to like what I'm saying here, but that's just the truth. That's the reality. That's how they make billions and billions of dollars across the globe. Want to get to Crystal? Well, we still got a few minutes left for uh, for Crystal's email uh, too. As a matter of fact, so I know you get this in quick, Savannah. She says, uh, "My brother suffered a brain aneurysm last year while playing basketball, which led to a stroke. He has memory issues now, and the doctors don't know yet what his long term prognosis is. But they do think that he'll be left with permanent issues with his memory and concentration. He's only 33 years old." He worked at an IT company for about four years before this happened as a programmer and was making over 100 k a year. He had good health benefits there. His employer sent him a letter saying that they had to replace him and may not have a position for him or, when, uh, or if or when he gets better. Can they do that? And if they let him go, can his long-term disability be cut off as well? Fantastic questions, Crystal, and I'm really sorry for what your brother's going through. So I know we have very limited time here left on the show, John. Let me give you the bullet points, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the, the, the employer, uh, they must take him back, and if they don't, they potentially could be on the hook not only for severance but also for human rights damages, okay? So that's very important to understand that, that they're going to have to provide him with a position when he comes back. That's number one. People are very concerned about this, John. When somebody is uh, fired from their employment or let go, 
you know, they ask, will my LTD stop? No. Once you get accepted into LTD or once you are qualified to get LTD, you have a valid claim, that has nothing to do with your employment. The only way that the insurance company can stop paying you is if for whatever reason you're no longer disabled from working or you've reached some kind of uh, age limit. Usually it's 65 years old, in which case the policy ends. Uh, or, or, of course, if you are in breach of any of the policy provisions, like, you know, you don't get treatments mm-hmm. or something. But absent these things, no, no, your LTD should continue. Whether you let go, whether your uh, um, employer goes bankrupt, it doesn't matter. You are now in that LTD program. So it should not be affected whatsoever. And, and Crystal, my, my suggestion here, please, is is have your brother reach out to me or you reach out to me after the show. Let's have a chat here, okay? I want to make sure that, you know, y- you understand and he understands what his rights are because this is key here, especially given, you know, the type of disability that he has. You know, stroke is a very, very difficult thing, John. I mean, it alters completely yeah. your way of life. I know people with strokes. It's absolutely horrible, especially here. We don't know what the prognosis is. 33 years old, it's just unthinkable just unthinkable so crystal please i will be able to help your your brother at the very least give you guys the information you need as a family to make the right decisions done for another day appreciate you uh, sticking around for you want to reach out now the toll-free number 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca is the email and finally we referred to it and used it several times over the last hour and that would be mydisabilityquestions.com another free and easy resource for you to take advantage of and get a hold of uh, savan's team as well thanks for sticking around we'll catch you next time disability law show on global news radio The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.